Hey guys, Maya here, and I just wanted to tell you about this amazing opportunity I got. I am working as an influencer for Literary Creations by Jenny. For those of you who don't know, she's an online retailer. She makes book sleeves, bookmarks, bookish totes and tees, all of the best bookish things. And because I'm an influencer, you can use code MYTAKE on any of your purchases for 10% off. All of this will be in the show notes below, but definitely check out Literary Creations by Jenny. Go follow her. Go use my code. Get yourself some bookish merch. Christmas is coming, so it's the perfect Christmas gift. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Okay, hi. Hello. Welcome back to part two of me talking about season two of Ted Lasso. It is insane that I had to do two parts to this episode though it's not really that insane because like it's Ted Lasso there was 12 episodes I think my first season episode was like 40 minutes but I didn't take notes on season one I just kind of binge season one and enjoyed it and loved it and then was like holy shit you have to do a podcast episode about this obviously and just from like recall memory had 40 minutes worth of shit to talk about so the fact that I'm probably going to get close to 80 minutes worth of content for season two is not really surprising but we are back we are talking about part two part two we're going to be covering Jamie Rebecca Sam some of the other players of course Nate and a couple of my soccer things and wrapping up with some hopes for season three so we've got a lot to get to if you haven't listened to part one of this episode go back and listen to part one if you haven't listened to season one uh, go back and listen to my episode for season one. If you haven't watched a show, I don't know what you're doing here, but watch Ted Lasso because it's amazing. And then come back and gush with me about it because it, you can't not fall in love with this show. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who will listen. So I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I am Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. Okay, so like I said, we're starting this part of this episode with Jamie. Jamie, tart do 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 do. Jamie, tart do 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 do. Jamie, tart do 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 do. Jamie, tart. I couldn't. I couldn't not do that. Come on. You give him like one of the best fan chants in the show. I can't not sing it. Like that's impossible. Literally, literally impossible. I just realized that that take is going to be over my intro music. My intro music will have just stopped when you guys are listening to this. So that'll be interesting to hear me singing Jamie Tart over the intro music to my podcast. I'm a mess. Anyways, we kick off with Jamie and we meet up with him. And he, instead of like kicking ass, taking names, playing for Man City and being like this big name player, he is on Lust Conquers All, which is their equivalent of Love Island. And he is hilariously bad at it. And gets kicked off the show and then, of course, isn't allowed back to City because no professional soccer club would let a player leave for something like that and then take them back. If they had, like, a medical issue or a family issue or a personal, like, clearly there are things where they'd be like, yes, go take the time that you need and then we will welcome you back with open arms. But to just be like, fuck you and go on a TV show, no. But he is back in the UK. He's back living life in Richmond. He named his little green army man Ted and then he meets up with Ted and he's like, hey, you know, I want to come back. Is there any way I can play? Like he's really humbling himself asking for a spot back and 
Ted's like, I don't think it's a good idea, but the rumors come out that he is going to come back because they meet at the Crown and Anchor, Richmond Fan Pub. Obviously, rumors are going to come out, and that clearly causes some shit for Ted, but the rumors come out, and Ted's like, I don't think it's a good idea. Eventually, he comes around because they need Jamie and they need his soccer skills. So, he's coming back to Richmond, and obviously, he has a tough time reintegrating. But I'm here for all the shit he takes because he kind of goes on, like, a mini character arc in season one. Like, some shit in his character improves. Some things change. He has a little bit of a change of heart. But also, it's not a full-blown, like, character arc, especially for a character that's so... He's not necessarily hated in season one, but he's conceited and self-centered and does all these things. So, he needs to go on, like, a more full-scale character arc this season. And so, you know, he has to take a bunch of shit from the players. He actually... He tries to reach out for help through Keely, and Keely's like, no, go to Dr. Sharon. So he goes to Dr. Sharon. He makes the extra pass to Danny. He gets to be a prick. <laughs> this cracked me the fuck up because Roy was not wrong. And Ted was not wrong, actually. Ted was correct that sometimes Jamie needs to be the make the extra pass. You can't always be the selfish player. However, Roy was not wrong in the fact that players like Jamie are players like Jamie because they're selfish, because they drive for it, because they want to take the opportunities for themselves. And so I like that we're finally getting this aspect back and we're getting to see him mature as a player as he matures as a person because I think one thing we'll see in season three is that he'll be able to turn it on and turn it off without needing the signal from the coaches. Now, do I want to miss the signal from the coaches? No, because the signal from the coaches is all of the coaching staff collectively flipping him off, which is just hilarious and funny and amazing, and I lived for every moment of it. But I think we will get to a point where we'll see him turn it on and turn it off. I think Sam is next in line to be captain, but I think Jamie is stepping up and he's going to be part of like that players collective, like that group of people that you know are captain-like, even if they're not necessarily the captains. And I love where we're going with this character. Like I said, him being a prick works super well because he scores from fucking, like, 40 yards out, which is insanity. And, like, they get to sing a song, and it's so much fun. But then we also see, like, the depth of his character, too, because we see him looking on Sam's relationship with his dad and being super like jealous and sad and depressed about the relationship that he has with his dad because then we see his dad who's drunk as a funky fucking skunk showing up to Wembley and that whole scene in the locker room is just such a mess because his dad is just so terrible and horrible and we see the beginnings of this in season one, especially with him talking about his dad in the pair of football boots and how his mom just wanted him to be happy and wanted him to be healthy and have a good time with life. And he's like reflecting on how he should spend more time wanting to make her proud instead of wanting to like make goals and stuff to impress his dad. So it just, it sucks that it comes to a head like this. But now that it's come to a head like this, I feel like Jamie can really heal and move on. And we see this because it gives us the first hug between Roy and Jamie, which was the most emotional thing. I was so, so, so happy and proud of them and just 
in awe and it broke me and it made me cry because I was so like happy and proud and just all of these emotions about the fact that they hugged literally like platonically hugging and I was like losing it over it but he really does mature this season I mean he has a little slip up when he tells Keely that he loves her but he has this really really good apology to Roy and Roy just has to growl and be like fuck because he can't even say anything and then he gives the last minute penalty to Danny in the last game and of course Danny has to go and score and then Roy (laughs) Roy headbutts him and Jamie's like what the fuck was that for and Roy's like so I can do this and then they hug again and I I just I can't wait to see the extent of the two of them hugging in season three because it's gonna be so good and I'm so excited for it and I love the journey that Jamie's character is taken and I can't wait to see where it goes like I said I think he's gonna grow to be more of like a player's collective player I think he'll grow to be able to turn it on and off I think He'll hopefully be able to grow and find love because I don't want him to end back up with Keely because that's not fun. But, like, he could find somebody else. Like, I don't know. I'm excited to see where Jamie goes. I love what they did with him this season. I'm excited to see what they do with him next season. Okay, now that we've talked about Jamie, we, of course, have to talk about boss-ass bitch Rebecca. First of all, her and Keely's relationship because they continue to be the best of friends and iconic And it's just so sweet and fun. And every one of their interactions this season has been amazing. And I've loved it so much for them. And, like, it's just been so good and so happy and sweet and amazing and adorable. And speaking of all those adjectives, Hannah Waddingham at the Emmys thanking Juno Temple and being like, there is no Rebecca without Keely. I died. Absolutely died. Like, we live for the success that the entire Ted Lasso cast had at the Emmys, but seeing Hannah Waddingham do that was amazing. And speaking of her, recently, as I'm recording this, Adele did 73 Questions, because obviously she released her single, she's doing all the promo, yada, yada, yada. Did 73 Questions, was asked what she was binging. She said Ted Lasso. Hannah Waddingham has sang at least once in each season of Ted Lasso. So Twitter has gone crazy saying Hannah Waddingham and Adele need to do a duet. And I agree, cannot get that idea out of my head. And it needs to happen in season three because season three needs to be the last episode. I will talk more about this when I talk about my hopes for season three, but season three needs to be the last episode, episode season, duh, clearly. And because it's the last season, they need to go all out. And part of going all out needs to be Hannah and Adele having a duet because it would be iconic. But Rebecca in herself is iconic as a character. We see her starting to bond with Nora again, and I did love that we get to see this because when we meet Sassy Smurf in season one, we hear about Nora, but we don't really see Nora, and it's clear that they had this amazing relationship, and she sings Let It Go for Nora, but now we actually get to meet Nora, and we get to see her, and we get to bond with Nora, and it also includes telling the CEO of Dubai are to fuck off signed boss ass bitch so like we lived for that scene it was so good like I mentioned the singing she sings again in the Christmas episode and obviously she's amazing because she was on West End and kills it every time she opens her mouth to sing kills it so love that we got to see her sing again I didn't love seeing her relationship with her parents because Well, I did. I love that we got to flesh out her character more and see that, but I didn't in the sense that, like, we had to see all the shit with her mom leaving, 
and her mom being like, I'm going to leave your dad, but it's really, she doesn't, and it's a pattern, and it fucks with Rebecca's head a lot, and then her dad passes away, and there's all this shit with the funeral, and she's dealing with all of this, and this grief, and having to, like, have it out with her mom, but the fact that she knew about her dad's cheating, and that's why she's always hated her dad, it was funny that they kept getting told off by the priest for being too loud when they were, like, gossiping and chatting in the back room. That was hilarious. But, like, the entire episode was pretty emotional, especially with the counterpart focus of the episode being Ted and all of his shit that he's going through. But, you know, has it out with her mom. And then we do get to see Rebecca and Higgins hug. And her eulogy just becomes singing Never Gonna Give You Up, which, like, thanks, Ted, for carrying on that. It was a very emotional episode, but very necessary to flesh out more of Rebecca's character because, like, well, okay, she doesn't fade into the background because clearly her and Sam, and we will talk about that in a second, but her biggest issue in season one was, like, her shit with Rupert, and so now we're seeing, like, multifaceted levels of her pain and her suffering and her, like, depth of emotion, so I enjoyed seeing it. I didn't like that it took such a toll on Rebecca, but it was very interesting and nice and, like, a good way to flesh out her character. Now, like I said, her and Sam. I thought I fell for the writer's tricks. I thought it was Sam and Ted because they kept cutting back and forth between them texting and being on their phones and, like, the banter people going back and forth. So I was like, okay, it's Sam and Re- or it's Ted and Rebecca. I didn't know how I felt about it being Ted and Rebecca, but I was like, okay, it could be Ted and Rebecca. And then it's just fucking Sam. And I was so shook. So completely and utterly shook. I don't know how to describe the depths of my shookethness, but I was shook. Especially because we foreshadowed this from fucking season one. When Sam is going to ask Rebecca to come to the what is it the memorial thing for the ghosts they're doing like the the fire sacrifice thing with all the ghosts y'all already know in season one she's like oh she thinks initially that he's asking her out and then all of this shit comes back and they're actually have been the ones texting on this fucking app i i could not and also they kind of had a moment like right before they knew each other that it was each other they like had a moment in person it was so cute and then go to dinner and Rebecca's like holy shit I have to leave and I was kind of on Rebecca's side like I don't know how I feel about this because they had dinner as two people who just happened to be there and it's such a good time and they're having so much fun and then they kiss and she does the whole like lean against the door thing after so like you know that shit was good that is underutilized I feel like we don't talk about this enough and like especially in romance novels we don't have enough like goodbye kiss lean against the door being like holy shit that was amazing so you know like the feelings are real but also she's like his boss's boss's boss like she owns the fucking football club and if this was a male owner of a women's football team nobody would bat an eye i mean people would vilify her don't get me wrong And especially if she was good and she was a starter, they'd be like, she only has her starting spot because she's fucking the owner. Like, it would be hell for her. But it would be more, like, acceptable, I think, to the public. The fact that it's, well, 
depending on her age because there could be some issues with being taken advantage of because you know people start careers in soccer very very young but with Sam and Rebecca once again Rebecca would get the brunt of anything that comes out but Sam's also black and we have seen throughout society just in general real life the racist abuse that football players face black football players face on a almost daily basis i'm writing a fucking paper about it right now by the time this episode goes out hopefully i will be very close to turning that paper in but for a criminology class i'm writing about the racist abuse that um marcus rashford Jaden sancho and bio saka faced after missing penalties in the euros right like it's a thing and We've started to bring in some real-life topics into Ted Lasso, and Ted Lasso does a good job mirroring the real world, I think, and that we've talked about mental health and athletics, and with Sam, I'll talk about, like, the Dubai Era logo thing, and, like, we've seen a lot of protests in athletics recently for athletes and their teams standing up for causes that they believe in, but I don't know if they're going to bring the racist abuse that players face into Ted Lasso or not, I think they could very well get away with it because it's such a happy-making show that they wouldn't, like, the, I think a lot of the demographic that's not football fans would be like, why are you bringing this in? The demographic that is football fans would totally understand and be, I think, a pre, I, like, I would appreciate if they brought it in because it's such a big deal that's going on that I think they would spread the word to more people. Um, it's tricky, and, you know, when you think about that, if their relationship comes out, and Sam's the one pushing for it to come out. Like, what backlash is he going to face? Obviously, Rebecca's going to face a lot of backlash. I think the team would support them 100% because I think the team has seen this with Sam, and I think the team are smart enough to know that Sam would be starting because Sam is starting and that Ted would never think about that. But I think the public would definitely have a really big thing to say about it, so it would just be really interesting but then the show starts playing somewhere only we know and she's like oh what's your address and she goes to leave the house and he's already there because the address was for fucking next time and you have me like bawling because they're so cute and at the funeral at her house sam pulls her into the closet just for a hug you know how many times people get pulled into a closet and it's for like getting it on or being steamy or whatever and he's like i just needed to hug you like they're so adorable and like the reason she fucking breaks up with him is because he's too wonderful and it scares her and it's like the least sad but also sad breakup ever because you know that they're like probably endgame for each other because it's not like they both have well Rebecca has a fucking past clear with Rupert but that's never gonna work out ever 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 again so it's just you want them to be happy and then you see things like she texts him congratulations about the game and it has to be really sad and she doesn't want him to go and like sam i was going to talk about this with sam but obviously like he turns the thing down because it's what best it's what's best for his personal journey is the line that he says and i think that's true and i will talk about that when i talk about sam but also you know it's partly because of the feelings and so it's so cute and i just i love them so much individually and I think I'm on board with them being in a relationship, but I don't know if I'm on board with them being in a relationship, and it's just so fucking hard, and oh, they're so cute, but there's so many complications, and that is kind of all I have to say on Rebecca. I mean, Rebecca was brilliant and amazing as always this season, but a lot of it revolved around 
who she was texting um and that person obviously being sam anyways moving on to the counterpart in this relationship sam oh i've always lived for sam sam is like a puppy he's just too wonderful and amazing and funny and smart and kind and we love him for it and he has an amazing arc this season he had an amazing arc last season and he had an amazing arc this season and I'm sure he will have an amazing arc in season three. But speaking of his arc, he obviously does the cover shoot for Dubai Air, and then his dad informs him of how shitty of a company they are. So he covers up the logo on his jersey. And the whole team does it too, even Jamie. And then because of this, Banter becomes the shirt sponsor, which I live for that. We love that for Keeley, but... Seeing this, I was so proud of him and so happy and so just over the moon that that was coming into play because in 2020, in the soccer verse, like in real life soccer culture, we saw the rise of the Super League, the rise and fall of the Super League. And not really the same thing, clearly, because with the Super League, it was more about clubs not doing what was best for their club and, like, owners making decisions for their club, whereas with this, it was definitely more of, like, a we're standing up against human rights abuses, which is not always the case. We don't always see people standing up against human rights abuses. This is going to make not a lot of sense, but a lot of sense at the same time, so... With the Super League, basically, for those of you who don't know, it was a bunch of different clubs. Unfortunately, my beloved Liverpool was involved, but it was like Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Arsenal, Tottenham, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, Paris Saint-Germain. Like, a lot of big, huge name clubs decided, instead of playing in the Champions League, where you have to qualify for the Champions League every year, and the Champions League is another cup competition that they can play in, while playing, competing in their domestic leagues, they wanted to compete in the Super League, which was just basically the Champions League, but you couldn't get relegated, so you were always in the Champions League, and it caused mass, mass uproar from fans, from pundits, from ex-players, from current players. Liverpool's statement was, we don't like it, we don't want it to happen, we're against the Super League. It was Liverpool's most coordinated att- attack of last season on Twitter, if you get that reference please DM me because I would love to chat Liverpool with you. But yeah, it was just this whole thing. And eventually all of the owners pulled out of the Super League and apologized and were like, sorry, we didn't realize it wasn't a good thing, yada, yada, yada. But we saw protests like that from players, from fans in real life soccer. So I love that it translated into Ted Lasso soccer. And of course, in Ted Lasso soccer, it translated in a much more beautiful way because there wasn't all this chaos and confusion and it was very black and white. It was like Dubai Air is terrible. They cause this oil spill. They have human rights abuses. We're going to be against them. Now, the real soccerverse isn't necessarily always against people like that because, you know, Newcastle fans were throwing fucking parties because their club got taken over by Saudi Arabian ownership, I think. Crown Prince or somebody like some Saudi that has like a shit ton of fucking money and also a shit ton of fucking human rights abuses. And, like, their human rights track record is shit, but they're just, like, throwing fucking parties because now they have money in their club. So, real soccer doesn't do it as well as Ted Lasso. Basically, my point was trying to, like, give y'all context for those of you who don't understand the soccerverse and and also to, like, talk about how Ted Lasso does it better. Because 
yeah, Sam Sam was just great, and I love that he did that, and he coordinated that, and then eventually Banter becomes a shirt sponsor. And then Sam is reading A Wrinkle in Time this season, and we know what that means, except we don't actually know what that means. I mean, okay, Roy read A Wrinkle in Time in season one, and then Roy had his whole arc, and he was like captain, and he was a leader, and all that. So it could be that Sam's a leader, it could be that Isaac's going to retire, but Isaac's not old, and Sam would step in as captain. I like you obviously can't have another player go out on injury like that because you did that with Roy season one but I feel like somehow some way we're working up to Sam being captain I just don't know how but like with him reading a wrinkle in time and with everything that he's doing he inspired the entire fucking locker room to do this like I think that's where it's going he uses his one haircut this is a total fucking jump he uses his one haircut of the season from Isaac, speaking of Isaac, for his date with Rebecca, which was so cute. And then he has some really good press conferences too this season. He has a press conference where he's explaining what happened with the Dubai Air protest with the black strip across their jerseys. He has the press conference about, (sighs) I think it's the one with her, like right before him and Rebecca get together. He's like, even though it's scary, you have to try. He deservedly gets a chant this season. I don't fucking remember what his chant is because I didn't write it down and it's not on YouTube. I did a quick search because I was like, I need to sing his chant, but I can't fucking sing his chant because it's not on YouTube for me to remember. But he deservedly gets a chant and then Mr. Edwin Akufu shows up and fuck him because the idea that he can build a major team in Africa and set up a league to take over the world is bullshit. Um, It's bullshit for... The same reason that Paris Saint-Germain isn't seen as this world domination superpower. It's the same reason Bayern Munich is not necessarily. It's the same reason why when you talk about the best of the best players, 90% of the time they play in the Premier League. Because the Premier League is the most competitive league. And you can't start a league, fill one team with superstars, and expect to have competitive leagues. Because day in, day out, they're not playing against the best competition in the world. Day in, day out, they're playing against ragtag other teams. You know, PSG always walks the French League, except for last year and they got dethroned. But they always walk the league. Bayern, usually, you have, like, maybe sometimes Dortmund challenges a little bit, maybe sometimes one of the Red Bull teams challenges a little bit, but most of the time, Bayern walks the league. For most of the time, Real Madrid and Barca had walked the Spanish League. Now, Spanish League's a little different because of wage structures, because of Messi and Ronaldo leaving it, because of a lot of things happening. But for the most part, you see these countries where it's not as competitive as it is in England, and those teams are not necessarily... They're taken seriously, but their major accolades are not taken as seriously unless they happen on a Champions League scale. Because winning the French League, if you're PSG is par for the course. It's not, oh my god, we won the league. So, and the fact that he would do this is idiotic. Of course, he, like, gives Sam the kit and it's number 10, but the idea that Sam, as a player, if you're looking at this purely from a soccer point of view, would leave to do that is idiotic because the league's not going to be competitive, and he had such a hard time adjusting to the Premier League, and now he's, like, tearing shit up. He wouldn't derail his whole progress. I mean, and that's what he says. It's best for his personal journey to stay in Richmond, but... Just this entire idea, I was like, fuck, 
this is never happening. Obviously, they would never send Sam off like that from a narrative aspect, but I was like, it's never happening from a soccer aspect either because fuck off. But Sam does end the season having a great time because he buys the storefront to build a Nigerian restaurant, and I love that for him. I love that for him. So now that we've talked about Sam, it's only fair that we talk about some of the other players. Starting off with Danny and the Greyhound and the fact that that was not okay. I mean, getting the Greyhound puppies at the end was super cute, but the fact that he had to kill the poor Greyhound was not okay. Football is life, but football is also death was not okay. I did not need to see that. I did, however, need to see... A, his redemption arc with him finally scoring a penalty to get us promoted. But B, him in the dress shoes. <laughs> One of the funniest moments of the season by far. Lived for it. Loved it. It was amazing. The other players, the fact that we have Team Secret Santa and Isaac is like King Christmas. And the fact that Isaac's like a barber and does the haircuts and stuff. The fact that the entire team shows up to not only Higgins' family open house Christmas, which was my favorite thing that Higgins has ever done. I love that he does that every year for the players. He's so amazing. But also, the entire team comes to support Rebecca at the funeral. So good. And then, my, I think I've said something has been one of my favorite moments of this season about a million times combined with last episode and this episode. But I think my favorite moment of the season was Isaac making everyone huddle around the believe sign to chant. Because ever since he put that believe sign up, I have been waiting, desperately waiting for the day that as they're leaving the locker room, everyone one by one leans over and hits the sign. Because so many different things have it. If you've seen... What's the the freaking volleyball movie? Miracle Court or whatever. They're hitting the sign every time. I think in fucking High School Musical they hit the Wildcat sign. Liverpool has a This Is Anfield sign right above the tunnel when they walk out. And all the players always tap the sign. I've been waiting for that moment since Ted put the sign up in the first episode of season one. And it finally happened and I think I lost my shit when it happened. Like I was so, so, so happy. Definitely, I think, one of my favorite moments of this season. Contrastly, we're finally talking about our last character, Nate. Fuck his arc. Like, fuck it. Really fuck it. I mean, I get it because Rupert is, like, for the most part gone. Obviously, he's coming back in season three because of the fact that they bought West Ham. Which, West Ham doesn't deserve that. We live for West Ham, you know. Uh, why wouldn't you do it with, like, Burnley or Norwich or something? But... Poor West Ham. Anyways, Rupert is back. Kind of. Well, he's not. I literally just made a whole point that he's not back. He was absent for a lot of season two. So we needed a new new villain. But I didn't appreciate that we had to have Nate. And it starts so early in the season two because he's so hard on Will. Like, he should not be as hard as he is on Will, but he is, and Will doesn't deserve that. And I can't wait for Will to hopefully be a bigger part of season three because I feel like that would be really cool to see will having a bigger part to play in the show but he's hard as shit on will and then he's struggling 
with his whole parents thing because he's trying to learn to be assertive and get the table that he wants for his parents and it's this whole thing and then he's also while this is happening having success at coaching because they take the lead in a game and he makes them park the bus and it works I fucking hate that it works because parking the bus is like my least or second least favorite soccer strategy like it's tied with tiki taka football because it's like we get it you can pass the ball maybe actually try running at somebody and scoring but it's just I hate parking the bus and it's how a bunch of people frustrated Liverpool last season when we didn't have any of our cohesion because our entire fucking squad was injured but he makes them park the bus and it works and he like has his whole wonder kid moment and he's like getting a bunch of response from Twitter even though he's parents aren't really recognizing his accomplishments and so because of this he like he gets really obsessed with twitter and the media's response to him and kind of spirals from there because like he gets the wonder kid jersey from the team and it's like this nice cute joke and it shows like think of how far the team has come from season one bullying the shit out of Kitman Nate to giving him this jersey and joking with him and taking his advice as a coach like come on now you know think of the growth that that has happened and then he just shoots it all on the fucking foot because he gives the jersey back and he's so fucking mad at Will and he's like obsessed with people knowing that the false nine was his idea and he kisses Keely and of course like doesn't freak out because Roy doesn't freak out and it's like that one's kind of fair, but it's, like, all the shit that has happened prior to that. I'm, like, fuck you, Nate. Like, why? And the scene with him and Ted sucked. Like, there's no other word for it. That scene sucked. It was so sad. I was not... Yeah. It was just... It was so sad. And Nate didn't deserve that, and Ted didn't deserve that. And I feel like a lot of what Nate said is true from his point of view... And that sucks because he does not deserve that. And it just, like, that entire scene sucks and gave me a lot of feels. And I was not okay. And then you go and you tear down the believe sign. I was more shook than when I was shook that it was Rebecca and Sam. Like, I was... I... It's the believe sign. It's become a pinnacle of hope and love and bravery and amazingness and, like, a signal. That, like, if I see somebody with a believe shirt or a believe sticker on their water bottle or laptop or something, I'm like, you. You are one of my people because you watch Ted Lasso. It's become just this, like, symbol for the show and you tear it down. And then you have him go fucking coach West Ham. And he's like white hair like completely white hair like I noticed this I think halfway through the season I was like Nate's getting a lot of fucking white hair and I love that Nick Muhammad who's the actor was like yeah in my head he's like turning into Jose Mourinho because like fuck Jose Mourinho but it's like very fitting for the arc that Nate has had and I just like I don't know how he's gonna come back I was talking to my mom she finally finished the season because she waited for all the episodes to come out so she could binge it and I was like I don't know how he's getting redeemed from this. Like, I desperately hope that season three is the last season, and I will explain that in a second when we get to our season three hopes. But 
I don't know how they have enough time in 10 or 12 episodes to bring his character back around. Like, it's some heavy shit he's gone through. So, yeah, he's just, it's insanity. It was done really well. It was written really well. I love Nate. I particularly love that he's mixed because I'm mixed. And I'm pretty sure he's the exact same mix that I am, which is amazing. And I love that because Nick Muhammad is mixed, they, like, purposely, like, made Nate mixed to, like, represent that on screen. And I, like, as a mixed race person, love that. And so I love Nate and I just want him to be happy and I want him to be okay. And I want them to fix this shit because oof, 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 oof. But... Now that we've talked about all the characters, we are getting into my soccer things. And obviously, I've talked a little bit, a lot of it about soccer before this. But obviously, Arlo White is back. I talked about Arlo White. I love that he's there. He's my favorite commentator on NBC. I love that we have that. Speaking of people that they get, they get Mike Dean. They get Mike Dean to be a ref. I don't think you guys understand how insane that is. That was so hilarious <laughs> because Mike Dean is the most comical like meme of a ref and the fact that they got him and of course because it's Mike Dean he has to give Nate a yellow it was it was hilarious I loved that the most unrealistic soccer thing was the fact that they had the FA Cup semifinal at Wembley and they were playing against City because of course they were playing against City and City had actual fans that showed up uh, City doesn't have fans, for those of you who don't know. And for those of you who aren't soccer fans, by the way, let me just leave this as a plug. Liverpool Football Club is the team you should be supporting and loving. They have the best song. They have the best chance. They have the best players in the world. Our manager is so lovable and kind and sweet and adorable. They have the best band channel in Red Band TV. We also have the Anfield Rap. They have... A lot of promotion for their women's team has been happening recently. I've been trying to follow their women's team. They do a lot to promote growth of the women's game with, like, access to buses for fans, traveling, like, cheaper tickets. Like, just everything about Liverpool is amazing. So if you're not a soccer fan, please let me influence you to be a Liverpool fan. But City doesn't have fans. This also actually made me excited for the FA Cup. Usually when Liverpool play in the FA Cup, it's just kind of like, oh, we're playing in the FA Cup because we are so busy with like Premier League and Champions League that it's like we're kind of right off the first couple rounds and then if we somehow get through we'll like take it seriously later but I mean it's provided some amazing moments don't get me wrong but I'm never like excited like oh my god it's FA Cup game day but this made me excited for the FA Cup which was cool we have an episode titled Inverting the Pyramid of Success and Inverting the Pyramid is a very famous soccer book by Jonathan Wilson that I have to read and that beard red both in season one and season two i think which is cool but i love that they named an episode after that roy was a pundit for sky sports and unfortunately neither gary neville nor jamie Carragher showed up which they are like the two big pundits for sky sports and so i'm really sad that they didn't show up because they should have showed up it would have been amazing had they showed up especially Kara because he used to play for liverpool and speaking of liverpool at the christmas open house people are playing fifa and it's liverpool and psg and liverpool is beating them and i of course caught that little detail and i was so happy when i saw that so those are all my soccer things now finally to wrap up this episode this long long episode we are going to be talking about my hopes for season three 
like I've said multiple times, my hope is it's the last season. They initially pitched it as a three-season arc, so they need to stick their guns, stick to their guns, and keep it as just a three-season arc. Because, well, I have no doubt the Ted Lasso writers' room would do season four amazingly. I think because we've had this entire thing been plotted as three seasons they've been so focused on like having this plot i mean ted spills the fucking beans at the end of season two he's like we're gonna go down the promotion championship we're gonna get promoted we're gonna do the thing people don't expect us to do when the whole fucking thing right we've had this three season arc building from the first second of the first episode of season one and they need to stick to their guns they can do spinoffs they can do things but like please keep the sanctity of the show and like save it like that Obviously, I hope that Ryan Keeley are still together because what the fuck is up with that? That is not okay. We talk about that in my first part of this episode, but Ryan Keeley needs to be okay. I've talked about, you know, Jamie needs to progress as a player and kind of a leader. Sam may or may not end up being captain. Like, that's kind of a gut feeling that I have. I don't know how, but we need a Nate Redemption arc. Shannon needs to be involved, soccer girl Shannon, because she's made a couple cameos. Cam Cole needs to show back up because we live for his music. Beard needs to get out of his toxic relationship with Jane. Trent Krim, the Independent, now needs to be Trent Krim, the Richmond Chronicle or something. Like, he needs to work for Richmond. We know that him and Sharon are going to have big parts in season three because we've talked, like, the actors have said that they're going to be part of the show. So, it'll be interesting to see that. But, like, I want to see Trent come back. I want to see Sharon come back. I want to see her relationship with Ted fleshed out a little bit more. They could be, like, cheeky love interest. Oh, my God, I said cheeky. Marissa's going to laugh. She's not going to listen to this episode, but she's going to laugh. But, yeah, those are some of my hopes from Season 3. I hope that they actually win. Apple struck a deal with the Premier League to get to use the Premier League's, like, licensing and all that shit. So, hopefully that means we'll see the Premier League trophy with blue and red ribbons at the end of the season. Hopefully, also, Liverpool stays out of this because I don't want my two babies fighting against each other. I think I'd have to side with... I. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't. So, like, you need to keep playing teams that I hate. Everton, City, great teams to continue playing. You can play Manchester United. You can play literally any team. Literally any team other than Liverpool. You can say you played Liverpool in hindsight and be like, oh, Liverpool went on a tear and beat us, but that's fine because we're still top of the table or whatever. Oh, that hurts me to say. It doesn't because it's fictional. But if I had to see a match played out between the two of them, like a fictional match, I would I would lose it. I would absolutely lose it. So I hope that everything that I hope for happens. Oh, obviously Hannah Waddingham and Adele Duet, like, There's just so much to happen with season three, and I'm so excited. It's going to be another freaking year before it comes out, but I will be desperately awaiting it. Speaking of Marissa, my roommate and best friend, she's going to watch this soon. I'm making her watch this show, so I'm so excited because I'll get to, like, kind of rewatch it with her. Now we have two seasons to rewatch. If you need more Ted Lasso podcast content, you guys can go check out Richmond Till We Die. It is a Ted Lasso-focused podcast that goes much more in-depth because they talk about each episode, episode by episode. It's like each episode is its own podcast episode, so they go much more in-depth. I love that podcast. I will be listening to all of their season two content as it comes out, but yeah, those are all my thoughts. Part one and part two, it's going to be like 80-something minutes worth of content by the time I'm done with it, but 
that's okay because Ted Lasso deserves it. So yeah, I've been Maya Ghosh and this is my take on Ted Lasso season two. Well, part two of my take on Ted Lasso season two. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore My Take on Twitter and Instagram. Please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.